everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And I'm and Chris this, Kennedy. Oops. Yeah. And this <laughs> week, we're joined by a special guest. Chris, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Chris Kennedy. And Chris Kennedy may be a name you've seen on Twitter recently because he just wrote the book on Joe I.A., I feel like that's really kind of something special when you can say you wrote the book on a thing. And for it to be the guy who our stadium is named after seems like a pretty special honor to have. It is. I I definitely feel honored. And that's really the main reason why I started writing the book about him is because our stadium is named after him. Yeah. So so why don't we start there? I mean, take us through like so you're a student at tech, right? You, You told us before we came on about 2015 to 2018 history major so you're kind of interested in the past but what's your first like knowledge of joe ia the person it goes way back to when i was a kid because i grew up in ruston my dad uh, was a professor department head of agricultural sciences at tech and agricultural sciences always had tailgates for all the games Ah. and so then you know i'm I'm going to the tailgates, I'm going to the games, and I see it's Joe I.A. Stadium, and it's like, okay, well, you know, that's a Cajun name, and I haven't seen that name a lot before, and it's like, how, why, why is he so significant, you know? Yeah, I I feel bad because the first time I got off uh, I-20 in Ruston to go for my first campus tour of Louisiana Tech, I saw the stadium driving in and went, who is Joe Allett? (laughs) <laughs> uh, and even being from South Louisiana did not prepare me for how Cajun that name was. <laughs> it's very Cajun, and it's like, I don't know, I, it's not a very common name in Louisiana either. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone else with that last name. It, it might, I mean, again, Evan and I both grew up in, in Southeast Louisiana, so yeah. not as Cajun as Southwest. Not, not as Cajun as, uh, yeah, as <laughs> down there by Lafayette, where I believe Joy is from sort of right if we put an asterisk on where he's from right a uh small well it's not so small anymore it's actually a pretty fast growing town today but um youngsville which is um a little ways south of lafayette mm-hmm. and i probably should say this too like the ia name there's quite a few ias but it, you know so i don't want to make it sound like there's no ias around but yeah <laughs> Yeah, so if you've been insulted by the fact that we think there's only ever been one IA, then uh, uh, I'm not sure what to tell you, because of course there's more than one. They're Uh, out there. (laughs) Yeah. I've gotten halfway through the book so far. I'm loving what I'm reading so far. We are recording this, I think, a couple weeks after it came out, and I'm not a very fast reader, so it's taken me a, a little bit to get through it. But I think the journeys that Coach IA went through both before he was old enough to know what football was and once he got really into football kind of would make at least his early career kind of interesting i think at first we have to start with that orphan train though that when we found that out a couple years ago that just kind of blew our heads in terms of yeah i didn't even know that was a thing (laughs) yeah nathan i wish wish we had like prepped that audio ahead of time because because i i actually knew about the orphan trains because i listened to another podcast that covers just random historical topics and they, they did an episode on the orphan trains from New York City. And so, Nathan, when you started talking about that, I was just like, are you are you kidding me? Right. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like someone whose name is on the stadium of the team that I love. Right. is like was on this thing that I just found out about like a couple months ago. And yeah. So, I mean, tell us tell us, Chris, a little bit about the orphan trains and kind of what they are and and how Joe is re- related to that. Right. So I also had no idea before learning about Joe IA that there was such a thing. And it really kind of is a precursor to the modern day adoption system, what we have now. Of course, back then there was like very little regulation, laws, anything um, regarding that. So basically, the original orphan trains in New York City were um, mainly ran by Protestant organizations that wanted to get kids off the streets of New York because um, for several decades in New York, and we're talking like 1850s when the first orphan trains get started, but for several decades there were you know, lot, huge influxes of immigrants from various European backgrounds 
you go through the whole journey to get here and then American Dream like doesn't really always turn out how you imagine it. There's lots of unemployment. Wait, what? <laughs> the American Dream doesn't always come true? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like sometimes reality just hits hard, you know. <laughs> and um so there's lots of unemployment. It's hard for families to, you know, provide and take care of everyone. And there was actually a pretty big um, depression right before the Civil War, which further exasperated these conditions. Uh, very crowded, you know, lots of crime and uh, just not good overall family situations for these immigrants coming in. And um, so these Protestant organizations wanted to provide these kids with a better opportunity. So the idea was we're going to put them on trains. We're going to find families that want to take care of them. We're going to put them out, you know, places like in the country where they have fresh air, um, you know, work on a farm. So lots of uh, Midwestern states. Um, that's where the original ones usually wound up going to. And eventually, 1869, you have what they call the Foundling Hospital, New York Foundling Hospital. It was operated by a Catholic organization called the Sisters of Charity. Basically, they were there to help young mothers who could not take care of their kids. You know, they, they had various problems at home that, you know, they found it hard to take care of their kids, and they didn't want to just, you know, have them abandoned, which a lot of times, you know, they were abandoned on doorsteps of wealthy families and so forth, which I go into a little at the start of the first chapter in the book. But, um... They had the Foundling Hospital to take care of these kids, and then they kind of hopped onto the orphan train idea, but theirs was a little different focus because the kids that they were working with were like, you know, infants, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, mm. you know, basically on up to six years old, mostly. And so instead of like, you know, previously where it was a lot of youths that, that were going on orphan trains... And this one was very, very organized because you're, you know, you're dealing with very young children. So what they would do with, was they would check various um, Catholic dioceses throughout the United States. And a diocese is basically just like a region that a bishop oversees. And within each diocese, you have individual churches, church mm -hmm. parishes. So then they would go to each diocese and look at the congregations for each church parish. You know, do we have enough people interested in taking on these children? And um, Louisiana had quite a few of these. Opelousas was one of the de um, destinations, and that's where Joe I.A. wound up going to. So do we know anything about his about Joe I.A.'s origins um, other than that he's on this orphan train about one year old? Well, we know his mom was Irish. His um, grandmother was uh, from Ireland. She came, she left Ireland because of the potato famine, mm. came over here. And so that's his mom's side of the family. We don't really know much about his dad's side of the family, although his birth name was Joseph Forca, and that's F-O-U-R-K-A. Mm. Right, that's interesting. And so, so Joe kind of, it comes to Louisiana as a baby, right? I mean, he, he is one year old, right? Somewhere around there? Two and a half. Okay, okay. So he's, he's a little bit older, but he still doesn't really <laughs> know what's going on, right? So, I mean, right. so what what happens to him next? It, it, he gets adopted, I assume, by someone in Opelousas or nearby? Right, so um, I don't want to reveal... This is one of those I don't want to reveal too much. Okay, okay. so... Here's here's our first opportunity. Go buy the book if you want to know exactly what, what happens. Yeah, I know at least you can. Well, we'll do, we'll do all the pitches at the end. But I bought mine on Amazon. I'm, I know Barnes and Noble had it as well. Even if you're out of town, uh, you can still get it. So there's there's no excuse in this day and age not to be able to buy this book. But uh, you mentioned all the 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 archdiocese and the the Catholicism heavy areas, and so 
reading through the book, Catholicism turns out to be a pretty big part of of Joe's life when he goes, if I can call him Joe, it feels very casual to say now that I say it out loud, uh, Coach IA's life, moving to Ruston and, and North Louisiana. And I, I remember, I, I'm not Catholic, but grew up in a very Catholic part of the state in southeastern Louisiana. Ruston is not very Catholic. You're definitely right there. And I actually grew up Catholic and I grew up in Ruston. And, you know, there's like a handful of people in my age and my grade. And they're not a lot of them still around. So, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, he came to Ruston in 1940. And the next year, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church is built. And he was a big part of that effort in the community to organize everyone. Yeah, I just can't imagine coming from a particular background of in Youngsville and Opelousas and Lafayette, just a huge concentration of, of Catholic Cajuns basically in that area. And then moving up, uh, heading up to Ruston and, uh, and elsewhere in North Louisiana first, and just being like fish out of water completely and thriving as well as he did in those situations is just kind of incredible. Right. Yes. And you know, there wasn't very many Catholics at the time up here, but, um, yeah, there were a few. There were some Cajun transplants, and there were some going to Louisiana Tech as well. But um, yeah, his whole entire life, basically, you know, from the time he was born till the time he died, was very influenced by the Catholic Church, and that um, really just influenced his whole life outlook. Basically, hmm. yeah, he he owed a lot because of you know the orphan train, and um, from then on, just he was very fortunate to have all of the um, mentors that he did have from the church. So, and and not to skip ahead too far, because I know you have a couple stories. And I'm not very sure where they fit into the timeline, uh, but from the book, once he once he is the head coach, the way he conducts himself is in a way that I'm sure if anyone's seen Last Chance of You or uh, any of the shows on TV that show kind of behind the curtain coaching just how rude and how much yelling there is from coaches and how, and how much just, just you curse anyone out who does anything wrong. And that seems to kind of be the coaching style. And that never really seemed to be Joe IA's style from, from what I was able to gather through the book and elsewhere. Right. It's almost a little bizarre, you know, if you think about it, how, what you normally think of a coach and how he was, but um, I can draw one important parallel and that's to Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys, mm. which the two actually were pretty good friends. Oh, interesting. I go to it a little into the book, but um, you know, he um I I'm not sure when he and Tom Landry met, but um, you know, he would go in the summers, work at the Cowboys camps as an assistant, and um I go to it a bit more into the book, but um That's really yeah, cool. Very, very much the same style, very well dressed. Uh, very almost um, stoic, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I've I've heard Joe IA described as as almost more of an educator, even on the football field. Is that how you would describe him? Yes, and if you would talk to any of the former players that played for him, like I did for the book, they'll all tell you the same. He was a, a great mentor and um, very smart football wise, but he also cared about you know life, not just athletically, but you know, academically, career-wise, faith-wise, et cetera, kind of holistically. Hmm. Yeah, the reading through the book again, and and let me know if you want me to remove any of this, uh, parts that, that really struck me were uh, the talk about how they made sure the kids were there to get an education. Like you come to Tech not to, you come there to play football, sure, but you're there to get a college degree. and And now that's kind of, taken for granted like universities have huge support systems for their athletes to get them to pass the classes uh, but it seemed like there was this overemphasis at tech at of like hey look you're here to to do well academically not just athletically to the point where I, I think if I remember right one of the other coaches mentioned that you don't want to go to tech because if you go to tech they'll make you actually go to school or something like that <laughs> oh, wow. right this is a very good point to make and um that was from an interview with A.L. Williams, who he went to Tech. He played for Coach Aye, and then he later coached Louisiana Tech in the 80s. Um, had a pretty good career as a coach at Tech. But, um, yeah, that was when he was getting recruited in high school 
when um, he was playing at Fair Park High School in Shreveport, if y'all are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. The, the school doesn't <laughs> I, exist anymore. But I say, I'm not. I, I'm I know familiar two, with, with I know Fair two schools Park. in Shreveport. Yeah, I'm familiar with Fair Park anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, well, he... Um, yeah, that was when he was getting recruited, and I, I don't remember... It, it probably says it in the book. It might have been an LSU coach, perhaps, that said that. Um, but, yeah... It's a it's an important point to make, but going back to what you said about um, modern colleges having um, extensive programs to help um, play athletes graduate, basically they had that when Coach Ia was at Tech, but of course not with the same resources. I mean, it was just basically him and the assistant coaches, but they would help their um, players if they needed help and uh, very intelligent. Um, I, I just, I really can't even describe, you know, but, but that kind of not just football intelligent, but also, you know, if you need help with your English or with your engineering, you know, that's how, that's how smart these guys were. And that goes back to their, um, upbringing and the schools that they attended. Yeah. I just can't imagine being on campus, being on the team at that time and knowing you have that support system from the guy who runs the whole team. Like nowadays, that would be delegated out several layers down. It wouldn't be the coach knocking on doors at 8 a.m. to make sure you go to class. It would be other that would be assigned to someone else to do. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's like an undergraduate like team intern or something now that's yeah. that's but, in charge of doing that. If anyone is even, you yeah. know, but for the coach themselves and granted, they didn't have the resources to be able to go hire people to do that because I, I imagine there was they weren't being as paid as well as as a Skip Holtz or a Sonny Cumbie is now, but that just, it, that it shows a, a level of, Hey, I care about you in a way that in, in football and in life, when, when your boss or your coach or your whoever shows how much they care about you, you want to do well for that person. Right. And it inspired just here again, if you, if you met these people, you know, I mean, the, the guys that played football for him, they're, they're all fiercely loyal to him. Um, I I really didn't hear much bad at all. And I mean, you know, everyone loved him, and they they loved him for his football. They loved him for all the help that he provided. And um, you know, they they had a lot of good recruits that could have played for big schools, but they chose to attend Tech. You know, because mainly because of his recruiting. And um, they all will tell you that they made the right choice yeah that's that's awesome and while we're while we're here for a sec i just want to read out sort of the from the tech media guide from last season uh joe IA's career stats here he coached 26 seasons from 1940 to 1966 he won 152 games lost 86 and eight ties that's a 618 win percentage he also served as the athletic director of Tech during his time as a coach and then for four additional years after. Um, he won, I believe, nine or 12 conference championships and coached 11 All-Americans and sent a dozen Bulldogs into the pros. Um, also, or wait, no, that's Maxie Lambright. I, <laughs> mm, I skipped around here. It's a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> well, he... A continuation. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he won or shared 12 conference championships um, and served as Tech's athletic director. Um, so he's the winningest football coach in Tech history. Obviously, the stadium's named after him. Um, and you've definitely you've touched on, you know, his his impact on these players, too, which I think is probably the, the most important legacy. But you mentioned earlier that you've got some stories uh, that that didn't make it past the edit of the book. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep the page count low when we understand that. I understand that as a, as a historian as well, you, you know, not all the cool stories get to make it in the book. So, uh, do you want to share any of those extra stories? You got a favorite that, that they made you cut out? All right. Yes. And before I do that, if you don't mind, um, sure. I want to go back to one quick thing with the stats. So, um, the conferences, um, you know, back then this is not, modern conferences i mean they had the sec but you know there's there's no conference usa or or WAC or anything yeah. like that right two lanes still on the sec at this point so i mean can you really call it the sec at that point 
Well, I mean, they still had some good years at that point, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's you know the the conferences that they played in, um, you know, early on when I was there, it was very regional. Like you know, most of the other schools in the state outside of Tulane and LSU. But um, you know, part of his legacy is also helping to kind of modernize um, football in the state course you know outside of the big schools um, because he helped organize the gulf states conference which now is mm. no longer here of course but um yeah he helped kind of push a lot of the um the features of different universities in the state into where we are now which which universities would you there say were several that he helped there were several you know the legacy of the gulf states conference if you look at a lot of these schools it's like um, Southern Miss, they were in there for a time. Um, Lafayette, of course, uh, Monroe, ULM, and you know, um, Louisiana College for for a brief time as well. So, so, so basically, outside of Louisiana College, all of the schools that hate tech and want us to die, you southeastern, would, you, would, you would go on record as saying that Joe IA was instrumental in their current success. And yeah, so ULL should be thanking us for yeah, existing. Exactly. First, they steal our bulldog's name. Yep. And then they eventually switched to Cajuns. But for, for if I remember right, while IA was coaching, at least for a bit, they were still the Bulldogs, even though yeah. we were there first. Actually, yep. yes, that's right. And they were uh, they remained Bulldogs for a long time. It was uh, some, I forget the exact year, but it's in the 60s when they become the Cajuns. Right. So basically, ULL should thank Tech for everything they've ever done that's good, um, is, is well, what we're saying. <laughs> yes in a way but also um aria is a alumni of ull so i suppose it goes both that part yeah it goes both fair. ways that's fair and just like maxi lambright i believe is a is a usm grad right so um or at least got to start coaching there i think um so yeah and my anyway. mom's also usm so yeah, I had. I'm sure Nathan had a lot of friends that went there too. Being we're both yeah. from Slidell, so about 45 minutes from Hattiesburg. So yeah, um, okay. Yeah, no love for no love for the Eagles though. So anyway, so yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, seems like he was you know very important um, around the state and and region in terms of sort of that next step down from the the major college football of the era. And high school as well. Um, started the Louisiana High School Coaches Association. So, um, you know, because his first head coaching job was at Haynesville High School. Oh, okay. That, uh, up even further north Louisiana. Yeah, Basically it, it, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like reading, like everyone has that friend that's in, in, in college or in high school who's like the president of like three clubs. And it feels like that's Joe IA. He was able to be the head coach of Tech while also starting these organizations, being active in the conferences, uh, just doing it all, and yet finding a way to be there for his students as, w as well. It just kind of feels like, did this guy live 27-hour days? Did he get three extra hours a day to do this kind of stuff? I can't imagine. And that goes to some of my stories, but I, I, I'm probably going to get there. I have one more quick yeah, thing to mention. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So he, he was also the Louisiana Tech golf coach. I'm not sure if y'all <laughs> had gotten to that point yet. I did see that he coached like 12 basketball games or something like that in his in his career at Tech. He did that one time. It was uh, during World War II. Um, very campus was very strapped. I mean, yeah, times were tough. You know, they they almost didn't have the season. He did coach basketball at Haynesville as well, and. Yeah, you know, moderately successful, but let's just say that football was his main success. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember a quote somewhere in there. He said football was the greatest game ever invented. So that that kind of says a lot about how he feels about the sport. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Basketball's just all right. Was the rest of that quote? <laughs> <laughs> but in golf, he won eleven championships as well. So. Oh wow. So also, he might be the best golf coach we've ever had too. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a pretty good argument for that. <laughs> One of his best players is uh, Louisiana Tech's current, um, currently only professional golfer, Roy Pace. Huh. Yeah. So uh, I guess some stories for y'all. Yeah. 
though, you know, Joe Y.A., a busy guy, um, apparently when practice was over and they were going to the locker room, you know, they're dressing out of practice gear and so forth. Well, Coach I.A. was apparently very fast in changing in and out of attire. So one day, um, some of the coaches, um, Coach Jim Mize and Coach um, George Doherty, Jim Mize. That's that's the, tra- the yeah, track. Like the track right. uh, complex is named after him. Yeah. Okay. I was like, right. I know that name. Okay. Yeah. So football, but also very well known for track. Yeah. He he's one of um, several of IA's um, assistant coaches who could have easily gone to um, bigger schools, bigger universities, but um, they chose to stay with him because they liked Rustin. They liked working with him. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So. Jim Mize, George Doherty, they are um, seeing how fast he can change in and out, and they just decide, well, you know, we're just going to see if we can beat him. So it was always a, a strange competition where they, would, as soon as they got in there, they would just look at each other, and they would quickly try to beat him, but they would never tell anyone, and <laughs> they never beat him. Did Can we credit... Joe IA with inventing the tearaway pants? Like, was he just <laughs> ripping off his pants really quickly to change? I don't know the specifics, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what just all over the to place. Be really good at. Just like, yeah. yeah, he's the best coach we've ever had. Also changed his clothes really fast. <laughs> like, if that's not on the Wikipedia page by the end of the week, I'm disappointed. It's like <laughs> some Broadway show with a bunch of quick changes between sets who's very upset that he decided to go into football coaching rather than acting. He could have. That, that damn IA was the best changer we ever had. <laughs> and from the book, too, he was able, he sang pretty well, too, right? Yeah, that's a very, that's, yes, very good that you mentioned that because um, it started at a young age in school at Holy Cross in New Orleans. Started at 12 years old when it was still a boarding school. But um, yeah, he developed singing at an early age, and um, from there also sang at uh, St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas. Um, you know, of course, graduated from Lafayette, but um, sang Ooh. there. Yeah, maybe we just some, <laughs> we don't some of my friends part. call it you you la la. I don't know if y'all have heard of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. cool oh, with you la la. Yeah, we'll give them that. I mean, certainly if they want to go by that, I'll yeah, I'll uh, I'll abide. Well, <laughs> but I mean, the the music thing and, and one of the the images that i remember the most while reading again just the first half haven't gotten to the golf stuff yet we'll see if that trumps any of this but he, he apparently had like a piano in his house and stuff and so when when team members would would show up for for things it would just it it just it doesn't fit the vibe of what i would think of as a head football coach it sounds like an academic like you go over to your advisor's house and they have a piano and a bookshelf full of books, but it sounds like that was what that football coach was doing at the time. Quoting Shakespeare, quoting various different uh, literary figures, and he would he would quote these figures in practice. It, huh. it would go it would usually go over the head of his a lot <laughs> of his players, and so he would repeat it. But it always had to do with football. It wasn't like he was just randomly spouting out poetry. It, it had to do. Um, one good example is. Um, I don't know if y'all have heard of Gertrude Stein. Yeah. So uh, her poem, A Rose is a Rose. Um, He was trying to teach a new um, offensive system to his players. And he he told them, a sweep is a sweep is a sweep is a sweep. Just like (laughs) a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose. (laughs) Nice. And they were probably like, coach, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, a sweep is a sweep. I understand the transitive property. (laughs) That's just one example of several others that are in the book. It's, it's, um, again, not what you normally think. But, you know, I think his uh, success, his overall success kind of proves, you know, you you don't have to, you don't have to go by the usual to, to be successful, you know. I would I would love if like Sonny Cumbie after Thursday's game, like, you know, whether win or lose, right? Sonny Cumbie just comes out and is like quoting Shakespeare for some reason. And everyone's like, 
what? <laughs> like the other coach is yelling at the ref and he goes, me thinks he doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gave away my one Shakespeare quote. Yeah, there's quote. your one. I can, yeah, you, I can pull on there's command. Your, there's your one Shakespeare quote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we're, we're nearing the end of the show now. Are there any other stories that you'd like to share? Like maybe one big finale one to, to end on? Hmm. There's one. This is in the book. It's kind of humorous because um, for all that we've talked about with Coach Aya, you probably have a, a certain image in mind of him. But he also liked to have fun, and he, he was very well known for telling funny jokes. And so one time um, later on in his life, he, um, it was Thanksgiving, and you know they had the family over at his house, and... You know, the adults are over here at the tables, they're talking, the kids are out playing, and you know those um those big yoga ball uh things that you can bounce on? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So the kids were playing with some of those and Coach Aye just just decides he's gonna go, you know, have a go at it, basically. <laughs> and he doesn't say anything. He just walks up, picks one of them up, everyone else stops. They just sit there looking at him. No one says anything. And he just starts bouncing around, goes around the yard, and the entire time, expression doesn't change, doesn't crack a smile, <laughs> just as stoic as on the football field or practice. And, I mean, just perfectly upright, you know? And just bounces around. When he's finished, he gets off the ball, puts it down, walks back over to the adults, sits down as if nothing happened. That's, that's almost intimidating. That's like, <laughs> I would, so like you bring the other coaches over to your house yeah. to play that kind of power move. Yeah. So you just get in the, their head that way. You, kind of thing. you like, run down the tunnel, but instead of running, you're bouncing on one of those balls. <laughs> <laughs> <a> straight face. <laughs> I mean, oh. just incredible. <laughs> and one last thing too. Um, I, I do go into this in the book as well, but he, um, he, could have gone other places. There were several big programs that were interested in him. One example would be Ole Miss, because we actually beat Ole Miss in the 50s, or excuse me, in the 40s, late 40s. That was actually probably the closest point that he came to leaving. But uh, he talked it over with his coaches, and they were ready to go with him. But he decided that he liked Rustin as a community, he, um, he thought it was a good place to raise a family and he didn't want to move his family again because he had already gone from Haynesville to Northwestern to Louisiana Tech and he felt it wasn't right to, you know, uproot his family again and take off, you know, leave the state. Wow. I mean, and it wasn't just Ole Miss. There were several other places as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy to think about even given in today's terms, right? It, it's crazy to think about, but even back then, like, you know, you're talking about a program that, that is in contention for national championships at that time. And, um, you know, yeah, but if he does that, like what's his legacy at tech, right? If he's only at tech for, for a decade or so, I mean, his name's not going on the stadium, right? I mean, it's his, like, who knows, who knows, like the whole history of Louisiana college football could be totally different. Who knows if tech is FBS level at this point, if it weren't yeah. OIA. Man. Yeah, right. So I, I wanted to wrap up, uh, Chris, by asking you, you know, you've gotten to know th this guy, obviously, as much as you can. He, he's he passed away a long time ago, obviously. But, you know, what's what's one thing that you take away from him, like personally, after reading and researching and talking to all these people about him? Like, what is what is one lesson that you've taken away from learning so much about Joe IA? I would say one important thing I've taken away is something that I've heard lots of other former players say, and that's that um, it goes back to keeping your cool under pressure. And, um, you know, you might be a little impatient about something coming up. You might have a difficult situation that, you know, is not under your control. And, you know, most people would say that, you know, you, you, you're justified in being aggravated or whatever. But, um, 
Coach Aye, you know, he went through some pretty tough life experiences. Obviously, his um, his background as a kid, but also um, later having to deal with cancer shortly before he died, mm-hmm. and um, some uh, professional unpleasantries toward the end of his career, um, which, of course, you, you, that's in the book as well. But, um, you know, he had lots of reasons to be bitter toward the end of his life and um instead he kind of flipped that around and you know just you know focused on all the reasons he had to be thankful for where he was in life and um so i think that's kind of one of my big takeaways from him is just you know being grateful for what you what you do have and where you are and um not giving in to the the feeling that you know you're helpless and everything's against you you know Mm. and so yeah i mean that's not the complete story of joe ia of course the complete story is it it takes place over uh, quite a few more pages than what we're able to talk about on this show uh but chris where can people get that book it's on amazon the title is louisiana text joe ia and again that's a i l l e t and um it's at barnes and noble you can go directly to Arcadia Publishing and get it from them. Um, and if you're at a book signing event, you know you can get one from me and I can sign it for you. Um, Do you have any if, of those coming up? Yes. September 10th, I will be at the first home football game at Louisiana Tech. Oh, I'll sweet. Be, I'll have I'll, a booth uh, I'll set have up. To, I'll, come say, I'll come say hi. And I haven't bought the book yet, so I'll buy one from you then. Right. Yeah, it'll be um, in the Argent Pavilion area. And um, so I'll have that. I'll have September 23rd. I'm going to the uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Museum in Natchitoches. And um, September 29th, Claiborne Parish Library. Uh, September 30th, Lincoln Parish Museum in Ruston. October 8th, uh, Orphan Train Museum in Opelousas. Oh, wow. Which is definitely yeah. a very good place to go. I mean, just in general, but they also have yeah. like a little shrine devoted to IA over there. Oh, yeah, I, cool. I found out about that when uh, the thing we talked about earlier, presenting all this information about Joe IA. And I've been meaning to make a trip down there, if only or an excuse to go through that area just to see that museum, because that sounds like a lot of a lot of interesting history there. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, have to put that on my list next time I drive home to Slidell from here because I'm pretty sure I pass right through Opelousas. Um, But yeah, so if, if y'all are around for any of those dates, um, especially that September 10th football game, I think a lot of our listeners will probably be uh, at that or thinking about going to that. So, you know, stop by Argent Pavilion, stop by one of those other places and uh, and get your book signed or, or get a book um, like I'm going to do. So, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, for coming on man it's been great talking to you and hearing about joe ia thanks for having me on and um for further information about those events i have a facebook page christopher a kennedy author and i also have a, a website by that same name um christopher a kennedy author.com yeah, and we'll link those out with the show as well so that well thanks so for yeah. having me on guys I, I really appreciate it yeah thanks for coming on nice to meet y'all Right, yeah, and now to the end of the show bits. Evan, what's this week's Tweet of the Week? Yeah, so this week it's going to a team we honestly haven't talked about much, the Louisiana Tech volleyball team at LaTeX VB on Twitter. Uh, they had a SportsCenter Top 10 play on, I think, like Sunday, Saturday? Uh, what day was Yeah, the 27th? So that's Saturday night. They were playing at Clemson, and uh, they end up number four top play of the week because God, I should have I should have looked up more details here. But what one of Tech's players like there's a volley, and then one of Tech's players kicks the ball over the net. I did not know that that was legal. She's like on the ground and sticks her leg out to kick the ball and does it on purpose and like gets the point or whatever. I don't know anything about volleyball, man. I shouldn't have picked week but uh, all i know (laughs) is that tech eventually lost that match game what i don't know what volleyball is zero to three so yeah uh, so i think there are there are 
sets where you play to 25 uh and it's best of five i think like sets i think now maybe i've got the terminology wrong i don't know however top four play on sports center number four play on sports center saturday night with nfl games going on uh college football games on saturday by the way uh as well so pretty dope that the volleyball team getting some national uh national airtime even with the loss but uh one of the craziest volleyball plays i've ever seen a person who watches lots of volleyball you can tell (laughs) yeah all i know is that you you have to volley the ball and i think that that, is it is very aptly named it's not like football where it's like what do you do exactly yeah you foot the ball that makes no sense you soccer it yeah uh yeah so that about wraps it up for this episode of the go tech please don't die podcast as always you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or head to our blog. Ooh. All right, let's split this up. Let's split this up because you will go. be talking for a long time. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, Evan, you want to handle the first little bit? Yeah, so we've been typing out all this data into a spreadsheet. More news on that to come in the future, I think. But for now, uh, Nathan has taken that data and made scorigami nathan you want to you want to tell what scorigami is yeah so originally an idea by uh john boyce boyce something like that uh sb nation uh secret base on youtube guy uh and the idea is to showcase every score that has ever happened so you have the winner score along the xs axis and the losing score along the y-axis and you're able just to kind of plot every score that's ever happened in a football game uh, the original idea did it for NFL games uh, because tech has been around and playing football since 1901. We're able to go 120 years into the past and plot every single tech football game that there's at least a written record for on this chart to show which games scored what. The interesting part is that some scores like there's never been a three to three score ever, uh, although That's there have been crazy. 21 ties at zero zero. Uh, so, I guess field goals and in the tie era weren't as common, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's uh, kind of so crazy, it's, though. It's just kind of an interesting landscape to see. Uh, there's a blog post up this week about some of those, both showing you the Scorigami charts, uh, which will also be on Twitter soon as well, just by themselves, but also uh, taking a, a few of those outliers. So the 100 to nothing game. Let's talk yeah. about that for a second. Or the three different times Tech scored 77 points. Let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about that for a second, too. Uh, and you can find that on the blog, gtpdd.dog. While you're there, there are also other posts you should check out just in the same breath. Take like a 30-minute break from work rather than a five-minute break from work and just read all of this all at the same time. Uh, last week, Evan, you posted the, the TV guide for Tech's football season about what... Uh, Oh yeah, cable Which, alternatives to to subscribe to to be able to watch text different games. Yeah, kind of turned out to be wrong on that. Uh, turns out that ESPN three slash ESPN plus means that ESPN just hasn't decided what they're going to air it on yet. Uh, so you're probably going to need that ESPN plus sub at ten dollars a month as well, uh, which technically makes the Hulu Live subscription cheaper because it's $70 a month and it includes ESPN plus apparently also includes Disney plus too. So yeah, it includes the Disney plus bundle. My Verizon wireless package includes yep. Disney plus bundle. So Same. YouTube TV is still the cheaper option for me, Same. but it gets more complicated. Right. So, you know, YouTube, Hulu, it's all basically the same. Those are the two that are going to have CBS sports network, which has a couple of our games on it. Yeah. So uh, I just I just wanted to have a, the chart out there saying like here's what channel our games are supposed to be on and here are the the various streaming platforms you can you can get that so that's kind of how we write articles at GTPDD like what what do I want to know let me share this with everybody else yeah so the Scorigami project that was a fun thing to code might as well release it to the world yeah. uh, another thing did some research on last week was a post up called Winds of Change talking about how different conference USA teams uh, cope with a coaching change and how well they performed the year after the coaching change considering how well they did in the year prior also the day that we're recording this or yet yesterday uh the football season preview and prediction thread came out with all of our different ideas for how we think the season will go in terms of best case worst case and and, and so on 
So you can check all those posts out on the blog. There may be one or two more out by the time our first game takes place against Missouri on Thursday. Another thing you can do on our website, assuming that just visiting four pages doesn't crash the whole thing, is do the contest. Evan, what's the contest? Yeah, so uh, if anyone if anyone here is new to uh, GoTech Please Don't Die this season, um, we have run the football contest, I think, for this will be the fifth year, maybe? Uh, but basically, it's just, you know, a, a game to play. You predict the outcomes of each game. You know, we have a set question list that you go in and answer. Uh, this year, we're changing a little bit. Um, and we're going with Nathan's model from the baseball season where each week the questions are going to remain the same, which means that I don't have to write questions. I mean, it means that you don't have to answer questions every week. <laughs> you can save your answers from the previous week. Um, now, again, we're opening the season uh, with a new head coach and a new quarterback who may or may not be very good. I don't know. Uh, at an SEC school. And then next week we play an FCS team that just got blown out. Uh, by another FCS team. So uh, you may want to change your answers week to week, but you don't have to. You'll you'll still, if you answer for Missouri, those scores will technically, those answers will technically be counted the whole rest of the season. You never have to change your answers again, and you could win the whole thing. Um, and so yeah. The most important thing is to do it week one to make sure those answers count. Yeah, because you can't, you can't go back and answer next week and get credit for, for the Mizzou game, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, play the contest. It's fun. It's bragging rights, um, you know, and again, you really just have to put in this like two minute effort this one week and then you're good for the rest of the season. Now, if you pick tech to lose by 30, you're picking them to lose by 30 the whole season unless you go in and change it. But that's on you, honestly. So maybe you think. And a few more things with the site. Uh, Well, we're switching back starting next week to doing a recap podcast and a preview podcast so there'll be two a week um with shorter episodes Uh, this episode's going a little bit longer but most of this has just been housekeeping stuff at the end to talk about the different (laughs) stuff on the site evan and i are also writing for blue tech blue again this year in the football season doing a post a week um you can check those out at blue tech blue latech.rivals.com yep those are at least mine is a free article which will come out i believe uh, today it's it, or this week it's coming out on Thursday uh, because Thursday's game day. But I think they'll normally come out Friday morning. Uh, Three keys to victory is mine, and uh, at least for this week's, which I just wrote before we started recording, uh, I went with a song theme. So if you're into that, uh, go for it. I don't know if that'll last the whole season, but uh, the three a- key changes of victory. Damn, that that would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I just picked the song that spoke to me in this moment, and that was my uh, my my three keys were based on lyrics from this song. But uh, and, and mine will come out on Tuesdays, including this week, because the game isn't so early this week that Tuesday gets in the way. Uh, nice. So it should already be up by the time this podcast comes out. So um, I say you, as I haven't actually started it. Yet. If you started playing uh, "Hard to Be Humble" when we started talking. <laughs> Yeah, because normally I, you start it right when you say that about wraps it up. Uh, it's had to go later and later. We're still not done. Um, oh, there wow. will be a at least starting out the season. We'll see how far this goes. We'll do a need to know pod, uh, blog post before each game to kind of go over some some quick beats to know about the team that we're about to play. Um, I have a couple other things that uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that I don't think I've even shared with you, Evan, including a weekly fantasy football style Kusa Pick'em thing that we're that I've I've dreamed up to replace the, the straight up pick'em that we've done. Okay, all right. Um, I, I don't yeah. know anything about this. That'll be out in the next couple of days, at least before Thursday night. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, we have the shop, gtpdd oh, yeah. dog slash shop. I wonder how many times hard to be humble is looped through by now. Um, Noble tree shirt is still available. This is the last day or the second to last day to be able to buy that shirt before it's the September shirt of the month. Um, so if you want that treat with those, that shirt with those noble trees on them, you, you better get it now. Uh, yeah, that, and uh, speaking of things you should get, <laughs> go buy some yeah. sunflower seeds. <laughs> yeah, we have, like the tweet we, said, we have sold out. We have, we have stumbled into a sponsorship, I guess. I, I don't know. We are, we are brand ambassadors for a sunflower seed company. 
uh, yeah, Chinook Cedary. That's uh, C-H-I-N-O-O-K, Cedary.com. Use the code GOTEC, all one word, to get 10% off your order. GOTEC. Can I tell you, can I tell you a secret? You don't like I've, sunflower seeds? I've never had sunflower seeds. You've never had I'm going sunflower to be trying seeds. sunflower seeds for the first oh, time. Oh, wow. Well, you're going to start at the top, my friend, because these are yeah. way better than the shit you would have been eating on the baseball fields of SBBA. So, uh, yeah. A- anyway, <laughs> I'm bringing I'm bringing a crap load of sunflower seeds to uh, Kansas City slash Columbia, Missouri this week um, for for Tech's glorious return to the gridiron. Yeah, and so we we mentioned uh, at the end of the last show about wanting to do some sort of uh, meet up before the game. Things are still in flux. There's still a few things that have to come together, uh, but I think we're going to try to hit up a brewery in Columbia before uh, the Thursday night game at Missouri. So if you're in Columbia early and you decide to come up for this game, you should stop by. Um, we'll have more stuff on our Twitter about where we're at and stuff like that. And we'll give you stickers and probably seeds too, because that's who we are now. So keep an eye on our Twitter to wrap this back around to how this started at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E. I feel like <sighs> that was its own episode of just yeah, updating we need people. To just do the whole <laughs> housekeeping as as an episode. Oh, also, so, also, hold on. Can okay, we talk about what else do we have? Can we talk about the coda from last week because that shit was hilarious. I yeah, played it. Ca- I, I I explained the premise. Uh, to to Catherine and uh, and my sister-in-law who's staying with us right now, and they both thought it was hilarious, even though they, they did not listen to the show or had no context other than me saying, so so Matt said, ooh wah ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and then I just played it. <laughs> yeah. and it was very funny. So you in case you haven't been you doing want, this, but... listen to the end of Hard to Be Humble, no matter how many times we had to loop it to get through this <laughs> outro. Because at the end of it, there's a little <laughs> bit of, of comedy after the credits end. And so if you haven't been playing the episode all the way through, you should go back and listen to them all again, re-download them, and that will help our metrics, I'm sure. Maybe we'll have more more seed money that way. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Literal seed money, yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what the coda is this week. Uh, you edit the show. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see what I do. Um <laughs> That about wraps it up. Are are we good? (laughs) Is that it? Is there anything else to do? (laughs) No, I don't think so. Do do we want to talk about your wedding in a few weeks? Oh, well, after we get off air, yes. But (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time. (laughs) If it's already not next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And go tech. Please don't die. (laughs) Oh, man. I could also fly. He was a pilot. Oh, wow. That's cool. Like, I wish you would have stopped that sentence, though. Coach A could also fly. <laughs> he could fly. <laughs> he just flaps his Period. Really that about wraps it up for the show. <laughs> <laughs>